Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City live in Austin, Texas. This is John Massengill sitting in studio with Jonathan Green. Hello. And Mr. Les Kaiser is off tonight. But we, I know it's the motorsports all mostly wrapped up and uh, all the seasons are done and dusted. But we're excited. It's, we got a bunch of good stuff to talk about. It's so we're a time gonna... for wishful thinking and reflecting. Exactly. A little reflection. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. No, no time for that. No time. <laughs> it just doesn't, doesn't feel quite right right now with this time of reflection. But yeah, we got a lot to talk about tonight. And we got some favorite clips of the year that we're going to play. Yeah, let's. Yeah, we can do a bit of reminiscing, a little bit of reflecting on uh, some of the high points and low points of the season. I definitely. Um, um, Santa's naughty and nice list. Um, I, I can think of some doozies. <laughs> yeah, and but you know what? Before we dig into all that, I want to talk about because last week we were off the air because we didn't have a show last week because of the the preempted for the basketball game, and the week before we said we were going to talk about it. Well, we didn't. That that uh, Weck is coming back. Yeah, to Circuit of the Americas. Big story, and uh, that's February. Uh, so put that down in your calendars. Uh, third week in February, 22nd and 23rd. Am I right? That's right. And that is 63 days from now. Wow. And uh, what I love about this... So that's 60 days to my birthday. Well yep. done. You remembered. We... <laughs> okay, I'll put that on the calendar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've had very few races, uh, especially big series, early in the year at Coda. You know, we've got the opportunity because we're here in Austin and the temperature is mild enough. I mean, we could have racing year-round, really, if... if if we get lucky, but we could be, it could be very cold for that race. Yeah. And just to explain the reason why World yeah. Endurance Championship, who are, let's say, midway through their season, they just had Bahrain, uh, which Toyota won. Um, uh, but the reason why they're coming back here is the Brazil race, uh, which was due to be uh, held is I, I i'm I forgotten what the reason was it was, promo, it, was it was a promotional reason financial. yeah the promoter canceled it I basically mean, it, yeah i always think where where did the money not come from that's yeah, usually yeah. what coda so coda stepped up and we now have uh, if you remember we used to have the lone star le mans uh which was very successful and i don't think that um the only reason we lost it was because they tried an experiment to combine with sebring and i think they thought that they could kind of uh you know, pick up and hook up with the Sebring crowd for for their huge race, um, but I, I I'm not so sure it worked, um, and they may continue to do that. But the bottom line is, we've got the Lone Star Le Mans coming back, and I'm delighted. Yeah, they're keeping the name Lone Star Le Mans, and you know, it was it was great that that first year they called it that was because we had IMSA early in the day, yeah, and then we had Weck running into the night. Now this race, though, if I'm not mistaken, starts at noon. Which technically, I think by that time the sunset will be past six, so it it'll run into the evening, right up near dusk, but it won't run into the night. That's yeah, that's the theory. Six hours, right? Yep, six hours, noon to six, and but yeah, I mean, we loved having Weck here when they used to come on a regular basis. I mean, it's what only been a year hiatus now, officially now that right? Is it just one year? Because they came just in, one year, yeah, yeah, they came in seventeen, so. Uh, yeah, but because yeah. what happened was they went to a super season, which the idea being that they ran their season over one and a half years, effectively. That's why we haven't had uh, WEC here. But they tried to run it to have Le Mans, which is in June, um, as the last event of their super season, as they called it, which was effectively over two years. Again, I think the jury's out as to whether that's worked or not. Um, WEC trying a few things, um, but there's some big stories, and one that is really close to <laughs> your heart. <laughs> For WEC, uh, because Coda will be a first-time world championship run of the new mid-engine Corvette, the C8R. Now, they are going to run this car at Daytona, 
So they're going to run the Corvette. They're going to run two of them. Yeah, they're going to run two at Daytona, but they're going to run uh, run one of those here in Austin at Circuit of the Americas at, at WEC. And, I mean, this is really – the whole mid-engine Corvette thing is just uh, – I mean, it is – for for American sports car fans, it's an it's an amazing well, occurrence. Expand that, on that. Why is this such a big deal? So in 1959, <laughs> the uh, the inventor, <laughs> ease your seat back and relax. So Zora Arcus Duntoff uh, came up. Bless with, you. <laughs> he was the originator of the, of the Corvette and and came up with an idea for a mid engine Corvette. And and ever since 1959, there's been rumors that it was going to happen. There was prototypes built. There was the Serve, I think it was called, Chevrolet Engine Research Vehicle or Chevrolet Engineering Research Vehicle. And then there was another one called like the Astro Two in like 1968. And and every year that's a dog from the the, the Jensen's, isn't it? <laughs> Rastro. Rastro. Every year, about every time there was a new generation of Corvette, for sure. The C2, the C3, the C4, all the way through, we kept thinking, are we going to get a mid-engine Corvette? Well, it finally happened. And we all thought, well, what is how good is it going to be? And then Corvette announced that with only uh, one upgrade from the base Corvette, and not an expensive one, that the Corvette would go from zero to 60 in 2.8 seconds on less than 500 horsepower. So I, I was thinking about this on the drive over. I, I got a Motor Trend magazine a couple of months ago. I think it was last month's Motor Trend. And in the magazine, there was the new Ferrari 488, the derivative, the even higher performance. And then there was the new McLaren. And, and, and in the, also in the same magazine, they tested the new Corvette zero to 60. And that all three of these cars were in the magazine. And, you know, Ferrari is 250. Sixty thousand dollars. The McLarens, two hundred thousand dollars, and the Corvette, the one that does zero to sixteen two point eight, is like seventy five thousand. And the Corvette was two point eight. The Ferrari also was two point eight, and the McLaren was like three point one. And, and so the Corvette was the quickest and the cheapest, and the cheapest. And and you know this is a bespoke uh, transmission. You know, uh, auto clutch transmission. So I mean, it's really it ticks. All of the boxes for a supercar, mid-engine, uh, incredible performance. And but but what really what I'm excited about here at WEC here in Austin to see this thing race is to see just how well it'll do in a competition. You know, we know it's fast zero to sixty, but how will it do? How's the handling and braking and the balance? And how will this car do in a competition environment? Because if if it does well. I mean, you, you you turn the supercar world upside down with this. Well, the interesting part is that that C8R that you're talking about is getting a run first off at the Daytona 24 Hours, which effectively is the next major international uh, sports car event uh, in January. And talk yeah. about it. Talk about an ultimate test. Um, they're going to be in the GT uh, GT Le Mans class yep. at Day Daytona. They'll be the two Corvettes, and they're going to be driven by the old hands that drove the uh, um, the, the C7. C7. Yep. That's Gavin Milner and Fassler. So they're they're old hands, if you will. As you know, Magnussen has now quit. He's actually joining, looking to drive in WEC himself. Um, but you've got Antonio, Antonio Garcia, Jordan Taylor, and Nicky Katzberg. Nicky Katzberg, ex-Porsche uh, Le Mans driver. And yeah. um, so that's a pretty darn good lineup. But look who up who they're up against. BMW Team RLL with the M8 and Ferrari 488 GTE from Risi from good old uh, Houston, Texas. And then you've got the Porsche 911 RSRs uh, driven by the likes of Earl Bamber and Nick Tandy. So that's the best Porsche can offer, the best uh, certainly American Ferrari can offer, and two very strong BMWs. So that's going to be a real test for this new car. Yeah, and you know, Corvette Racing's had some really great success all the way up to Le Mans, winning Le Mans class, you sure. know, in, in years past. So there is there's some big expectations, big shoes to fill, as, you, as they say, because Corvette has done well. But this new, I mean, really, you've got a brand new car, and, I mean, it just hit the streets. What? I mean, they're just now hitting the streets. Maybe the first car hit the streets a month ago, maybe, or, or less. So the fact that it's just now hitting the streets and just now hitting the racetracks, I don't have the highest of expectations. But, 
you never know. You never know how you know how well sorted the car is going to be. Well, it, it sort of leads. I mean, I know that topically right now everybody's been watching that movie Ford versus Ferrari, uh, yeah. the Le Mans sixty six. We'll talk about that later because um, I I do think it's worth having a chat about. And in fact, I, I've got an interview with the man who actually won it um, for next week's show with Chris Amon. Um, who was one of the drivers. He and Bruce McLaren were the winners of that race, um, which the film is not about. <laughs> the film's about Ken Miles, who was the Englishman who drove Ford. But how do you see this? I mean, you know, that's a topical thing at the moment. Is this very similar for Corvette as they as they jump in here? I mean, the C7, I mean, they've been part of, yeah. of, of Le Mans and so on. But taking this car to Le Mans will be a similar kind of... Um, a learning curve for them. I, right? I, yeah, definitely similar learning curve. I don't put it quite historically no, to that level, no, 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 but no. but it. I mean, it is a big, big story. Deal. Yeah. I mean, Corvette fans have been waiting and wishing for most of. No, I say most of. A lot of Corvette fans have been wishing for a mid-engine because there's some that are saying that's not the formula that is Corvette. It doesn't look like a Corvette, and I mean that that's a whole other argument. But but this is a pretty iconic and a pretty historical thing for them to go to take this car to to endurance racing and see what they can do. And it does, But I don't think it quite compares to that. Yeah, but my parallel was Ken Miles that year, 66, won Daytona, won Sebring, so changed Sebring yeah. for Coda, uh, yep. and then obviously was inches away from winning at Le Mans. Effectively, he did win Le Mans. Um, in terms of the movie, because he stopped and, and they did a photo finish, effectively. Well, but I, um, amazing. I, I guarantee it's going to be one of the biggest stories. It'll probably, for sure, here, you know, the United States coverage of both Coda and uh, all the, the races that the Corvette's going to be in. It's going to be probably the top story. But And it may be national, I mean, worldwide, too. I mean, it's going to be one of the biggest stories, for sure. I mean, sure. what do you think about the car? The car's out there. You can look at it. We, we talked to Joseph Newgarten about the fact that he hadn't got one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's winning for Chevrolet. They should give him one. Uh, he I, loves it. But what do you think? You're a Corvette man. I, I love, I'm so in love with the technology, the transmission, the fact that they've engineered it to, to be as quick as it is. The look, I... I'm I'm still reserving. I I really really like it, and I I am not saying I'm not one of the ones that says no. This it's not a Corvette because it's not rear wheel drive. Uh, I've heard some casual sports car fans go, well, it doesn't really look like a Corvette. It looks like a bunch of other cars. But the problem is when you put the engine in the middle of the car, it, it it's hard to look like a rear engine long nose Corvette because you know the Corvette has had such a long hood forever. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to look like that. So, yeah, it's going to be different. But uh, I think it's a pretty cool-looking car. And I think for the most part, uh, from what I've seen in the press, that most people think it's a pretty good-looking car. I like it a lot, for sure. Looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward oh, yeah. Like I said, the fact We're going to get to see it in person well, exactly. we're going to be out there. I think, yeah, I think uh, for American sports car fans, that, that'll be a special weekend uh, at Coda. Uh, and like I said, I think um, it's going to be tough at Daytona, but hey, tune in. It's going to be worth watching. I think that that could easily add a few extra fans to the seats. Actually, you know what? So basically, now I think about it, those two events, one at the end of January and effectively February 23rd, so literally that's that car is going is to is gonna run twice in four weeks. So we're really going to see then yeah. um, how good they really are. Yep, and uh, also at... Uh, the WEC event, Lone Star Le Mans, you got the Porsche Cup. It's going to be the support series. Yeah, so you'll be, you'll be able to go out Saturday. It's going to be a Saturday-Sunday event. There's no Friday uh, public events going on. They'll probably do some practice and stuff on Friday. But, but yeah, yeah you two-day event. Yeah. You can get out there at 7.30 a.m. and uh, WEC practice hits at 8 a.m. And then we'll, the, we'll be on the mics? Yeah, we'll be on the mics. Jonathan and I will be doing that. Man, we, had, we did one year an endurance broadcast because the year they had – IMSA and WEC. Oh, that was... We did, I think we did over 12 hours continuous <laughs> on the microphones at Coda. That was yeah. that was actually pretty fun. So. <laughs> it was good fun. We had a lot of guests to help us, which was good. That's true. We did have a lot of guests. But, but yeah, let's uh, let's talk about... The... Today, I want to talk about best and worst as well yeah. of the year. If anybody wants to call in, 512-643-5483. Uh, uh, tell us your best and worst, but I've got mine. I know I've, 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 uh, I've kind of tucked them away, and I'll, I'm ready when you are. Uh, yeah, and I know we've got some of the some clips that we've played, but let's then let's start with Formula One. I I I'll start, and then I'll ask you some things. Okay, so, you know I I think what one of my best of is the fact that after the French Grand Prix at Paul Ricard, right? Yep. There was there was uh, a clamor to say the least 
that Formula One was a disaster, that Formula One, that the racing had become so boring and it was just miserable and that Liberty had failed, that this whole, that Formula One was in, in a rut that, you you know, the cars, you couldn't pass uh, and it was a disaster. And, and it really did feel pretty rough. It, and, and also, Paul Ricard, I don't think is a good circuit yeah. televisually with those, with those runoffs, with those famous blue runoffs, which are very effective. But it's just, it's always been a bland place to watch. Circuit. It's a test circuit. It does, it's not a good racetrack, yeah. I don't think, when I compare it to, say, Let's Coda. Oh, Coda. yeah. And, and if, you, uh, if you think about what happened after that, that is yeah, true. That is that's what I, that was one. That's my favorite thing in Formula One this year is that that it did turn around and and we kind of forgot about uh, when are the twenty one twenty twenty when is twenty one twenty one going to get here? When are we going to have better racing? When are the cars? Because the German Grand Prix, yeah, uh, was arguably the best Grand Prix of the year, and arguably. You know, if okay, let's just break it down by decade. Since we are at the end of a decade, too, it's mm-hmm. you could you could probably safely say it's one of the top ten of the decade, maybe top five. Mm-hmm. So, okay. uh, but you know what? We are up against a break. Let's go ahead and take a break, and I'll talk about some more about what happened after that, starting with you know at post French Grand Prix. You're listening to Speed City. We're live here on the eve of Christmas coming up pretty quick from Austin, Texas. Back after these messages. Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town in your favorite store or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company. Born, bred, and brewed in Texas. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Talk 1370, the right choice. This is Willie T. Rebs, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. <laughs> I remember, Willie T. Willie T. Texas Bone Bread. Man, his voice is so low, you may not have even be able to hear it if you didn't I have, love Willie T. Yeah, Willie T. is great. Uppity. Uppity is his movie, yeah. And, and they did an announcement. It's about to happen. I got that- an email that said they were about to, to launch Uppity, so... He came. He came to uh, the 500 and was doing some. Uh, sorry, not the 500. He he um, were, he came to uh, Indianapolis when he was racing um, on the uh, SVRA uh, kind of. It was a Corvette weekend or a, a special sort of. Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, Trans Am's uh. classic kind of thing, and they had a bunch. You know, Rutherford, uh, Willie T, a whole bunch of really cool drivers. 
racing in 70s cars and and it was great to see and he was he was that there that weekend and I saw him and he was telling me about the movie and stuff and he he launched it at the museum and was telling people about it there too at Indianapolis so this has been a year long uh, kind of project of him promoting this thing and I'm um, looking forward to it. very very interesting racing story yeah Willie T's got a great story we've had him in the studio and he was a blast but all right so when we left when we went break we were talking about I was talking about my my favorite Formula One of the season was the was the season itself. The fact that after Paul Ricard, it got great because Austria was a great race, Great Britain was a great race, but Germany was a fantastic race. That's, isn't, mean, isn't that the race that uh, Vettel also crashed in qualifying? In Germany? Yeah. Uh, I don't. I think that may be right, but I I, I don't remember for sure. Yeah, it was. It was a Hockenheim. It was okay. So, but also if you, I'm, I'm looking on formula1.com because they did a poll of, uh, of the, the top five races of 2019. And sure enough, everybody chose or 23% chose Germany, 13% Brazil, 3% Austria, 3% Italy. And I was going to say, Austria was a high one yeah. for me because of the way Verstappen drove that. Uh, and of course, you remember he barged Leclerc out the way uh, at the top of four. So that was, that was, there was a lot going on. And of course that huge following for, for um, Verstappen as well. Yeah. The whole stand was, was in orange. Well, and if you notice, a lot of those races came right after, you know, the, all those were not far after Paul Ricard. We had such a great uh, run right after that miserable race. So, and then the, and then the season turned into really, you know, we talk about the decade well ago about the best races of the decade Best season of the decade? I, I don't know if I'd say that, but I would say for sure uh, top half of the decade. We're going to hear from Chase Carey later because you spoke to him, um, but it was a, an important season for Liberty um, because, I mean, really this season was kind of, uh, I mean, if you if you, the underlying co- uh, conversation, if you will, was 2021. Yep. The Concord Agreement, uh, effectively Liberty's first real major um, yeah, you know, issue to deal with. Uh, they've been looking at another an American Grand Prix. They're introducing Vietnam next year. That is now on. They're introducing or reintroducing the Dutch Grand Prix, which is great. So those are two massive things for Liberty, and it's definitely off their bat. Um, and I think that that Dutch Grand Prix particularly will be interesting because of because of Verstappen. Mm-hmm. I also think Vietnam will be great. I think it's a great. Uh, I'm glad that they're doing that, which is going to new markets and exposing new countries. And I say that because Vietnam has no history uh, of racing per se, but look what it's done for Malaysia. Look what it's kind of done in China and how quickly uh, racing has developed there. Thailand's got a strong racing tradition. It goes back to the the, the Bira brothers and now, of course, Alexander Auburn uh, flying the flag. Um, yep. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think, um, you know, underlying of this year was Liberty's future approach, and I think that's a, a major talking point. Yeah, and... Uh, you know, with their Liberty's done a handful of things, but you're right. That's going to be the biggest step. You know, they're the fact that they've tried to reach out on a digital basis. It's the, the digital difference has been dramatic from social media to the website. Uh, the digital over the top network has uh, really, it's, it's been a, it's not, it's been pretty poor uh, performance so far. Hey, let's, and let's not forget the big story um, that uh, ESPN have signed a new three year contract. Yes, that is that's huge. That's really big. And I have not heard. I haven't even asked Formula One. You know, we we talked to them a, a decent amount. And but what I'm hoping for is 4K uh, video for 2020. I don't. I mean, I think it's that uh, would be 2020 vision then. That would. Be, hey, hey, see what I did there? That was good. Thank you. You've been waiting all. I've been all year. Yeah, <laughs> I, you'll probably hear my 2020 thing. Uh, yes, a lot. Next year, but that could happen this year. I mean, obviously, there's twenty four K is huge now. It's penetration in the market's big. I mean, can't you imagine? But how, how many TVs are actually four K ready? Uh, a lot now. Okay, that's what right. I'm saying. I mean, you can buy four K TVs now. I don't for, know if I want to see myself in four K. Well, yeah, none of us want that. But I, I, we, we I, I, definitely bad want enough to when I went to sixteen by nine. We want to see <laughs> some of those slow mo shots going over the that's curves true. in four K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and MotoGP in four K. That will be good. You know what? Maybe you know the the MotoGP app. It's funny. I watch most of the races on my laptop. I don't know if it's four K. You, you you'll need super slow mo four K for. Dovey, because when he's when he's really pumped up on 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 the juice, <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <laughs> um, hey, and also MotoGP next year. What about this for a story? 
Marquez times two here I in know, Austin. That's what. Yeah, that's that's. Wouldn't it be hilarious if Alex won? Yeah, the start <laughs> of it, the start of a new Marquez tradition in Austin. Yeah. I mean, how many years in a row did Marquez win here? He won one from 2013. He won nine times, I think, something before. From, before yeah. Well, no, no, I don't know. well, yeah, if you go back before Coda. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. But, in Indianapolis. Yes, yeah. yes. In, in, uh, but, yeah, he won from 2013 up through 2018 in a row. Hey, that's another thing to think about for, for our audience is think about this. From February, March, and April, we are wall-to-wall racing. I know. With I world know. championship racing. We've got WEC, we've got uh, MotoGP, and we've got uh, IndyCar. And an IndyCar test in February. I know. That's right. So basically, man, that's it. Forget. you know. So you're just going to make the, the population explosion in Austin worse by saying that. Because you're going to get a bunch of gearheads. You're just going to move here. They're going to say, you know, at least for the first six months of the year. Well, that's all right. Hey, let's go back to ESPN for a second. The, yep. The new contract. We signed a three, F1, signed a three-year contract at ESPN. And they've done the uh, commercial-free broadcasts for the first, for the last two years. Well, Mother's Polish are the sponsor, yep. yeah. I haven't heard. Is, is Mother's going to continue as that sponsor? I don't know. I mean, it's certainly been good for them, I think. And, I, yeah, I mean, you're right. The race coverage is great with a lack of commercials, and that was because I think it was a sweet a sweetheart deal, as it were. I, I don't think ESPN paid – I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, no one will know the, the details of the contract. But I don't believe uh, – I haven't seen anything written about a large amount of money changing hands, and I think – that is part of Liberty Media trying to grow the sport in this country. And let's not forget to toot our own horn a little bit. And not only did ESPN do uh, nationwide television on ESPN, they do nation nationwide radio broadcast of all the races. Yeah. And we are going to do our third year of pre- and post-race. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, go to our website to find out all the details on that. But national broadcasts of every single race, so if you're – in the car, and and it's the BBC is the play-by-play, and we who are on site, which is great. Yeah, they're on site, but we do the an hour pre-show and an hour post-race, and it's a fun race. talk show too because you can call in and yeah, the talk, same the talk, same phone number. Jive talk on what's going on. I've got a good story for you also tonight. I want to talk about uh, I, as you know, I'm a big autosport uh, magazine fan, and I've got us to sign up for that. If you haven't, if you've got a digital sign up with Autosport, I think it's the best magazine in the world on racing. And they have got their top 50 drivers of 219. So there's a few names there I'd like to point out and see if you agree or don't agree. For example, Kimi Raikkonen, number 37. Hmm. Mm, I can't argue with that. I mean, maybe a higher number, but... Colton Herter, 34. I might have put him further up the board after what I saw him do. Yeah. They've got Nico Hulkenberg at 31, and I don't really know. I, I can't think that he's had a top 50 year. The, all the drive. And by the way, this includes uh, IndyCar, um, NASCAR, Formula One. Uh, Lano Norris is at 23. Well, we've, we're, you know, we've got my favorite interview of the year coming up in the next segment, and then your favorite interview in yep. the segment after that. Well, why don't we talk about some of this list? Who's number one? Who's all number right. Well, Lewis Hamilton is the number of one course. driver of 2019, followed by Max Verstappen at number two and Ott Tanak who is the world rally champion. And Tanak has had a, a pretty, if you don't follow rally, it's not as big as it is uh, around the world, but uh, Tanak has been absolutely uh, unbelievable. Interestingly, so the top five are Hamilton, Verstappen, Tanak, Leclerc at four, and the top fifth top driver is Carlos Sainz Jr., which is interesting. Hmm. Interestingly enough, number six is Alexander Rossi, which is Interesting because he didn't win the championship, but it really was a breakout year in many ways, and he came very close, and you'd have to say that this was probably one of Rossi's best years. He he probably would say he's disappointed in that. He looks so dominant. At a point in this year, he looks so dominant. Also in the top 10, uh, Jean-Eric Verne, but I don't count him. He's racing screechy cars, electric cars. Which, and if my <laughs> producer plays car. that noise, I'm going to leave the room. <laughs> ah! He's done it! You can't say Formula E without the producer playing. <laughs> oh, man. So that's Jean-Eric Verne, if you can bear to listen to that all day long. Botas, 12th. Yeah. Um, Newgarden, 13th. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one worth the, mentioning. The ah, champion of, and I'll tell yep. you what, one worth mentioning is this man who I know very well, Scott McLaughlin. He is a superstar from New Zealand, but he races for 
uh, Chip Ganassi in Australian supercars. And the ah. rumor has it that Ganassi might bring him over here oh. to race NASCAR. I was going to say, yeah. So he was 14th. He yeah. was 14th ahead, interestingly enough, of Daniel Ricciardo. And that's interesting that Daniel Ricciardo has made the top 15. Yeah. Um, when really it was a pretty, pretty, for him, pretty, you know, Rubbish year. I mean, I know he's yeah. changed teams. You know what? This is such. This is a great. I'm glad you found this. I found it. I googled it up while you were talking about it. But this is a great list. We need to talk more about this. But we got to take a break, and then we're going to play our two favorite interviews of the year, mine and then Jonathan's. Stick with us. You listen to Speed City live from Austin. Back after a quick break. traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives. Only water, malt, hops, and yeast. And absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town in your favorite store or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company, born, bred, and brewed in Texas. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Talk 13.7, the right choice. You are listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. What a contrast hearing Jenny Gale's voice over that song. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it suits her fine. Uh, no, it's just a, it's just an interesting cultural contrast. I, that's very true. All right, so we're going to play this interview, and this we had an, a fantastic opportunity. And because of probably because of our relationship with Formula One, because we do the pre and post race shows every week during the season to interview the head man, the Chief Cheese, yeah, the head honcho, head honcho at Formula One, Chase Carey, head of Liberty Media's Formula One program. And we got to interview him when they came to Austin here. And this was nestled in one of the, uh, the little upstairs offices at Circuit of the Americas. And so this is, I got to sit down and I got, I got escorted up almost like uh, I was going to the, you know, to the White House, but, uh, <laughs> but let's go ahead and uh, let's play this. We're excited to be in the offices at Circuit of the Americas with the head of Formula One, Chase Carey. Chase, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate being with you. Well, I want to jump right in and talk 2021 rules. The cars look exciting. They look great. 
And I think it's, from what I've heard, I just came from the, the uh, team principal press conference. Everybody seems to be happy and getting along about it. And uh, I know you must be excited. Yeah, I mean, we're very excited. I mean, we've been working on this for a while. You know, probably a couple, it's been a working process for, you know, realistically probably a couple of years. So it's uh, nice to get this step. And obviously we've got a lot of work left to do. We've got to now make it happen. And, and these rules are not, you know, oh, you know oh, like we're done. Um, yeah. You know, so it's an ongoing process. But these are a very important step. And I think really uh, the foundation for us, be, you know, enabling us to make the sport everything we want it to be in terms of competition, action on the track, and a much healthier sport for everybody. You know, one of the questions I asked in the press conference was, uh, technology fans, do we have anything to worry about? Because we, we love the fact that F1 is the pinnacle. It's the, the most uh, advanced kind of racing there is. Do we have any concerns there? No, and I think that's why we tried to address it right up front, that I think the DNA of Formula One, you know, is critical you know, to its future. I mean, this is a great sport with a great history. Um, you know, great heroes, great events, um, and we want to build on that. We don't want to change it. We want to build on it. Um, and part of that is making sure we continue to have a sport um, that is first a great sport with great competition on the track, um, but is a sport married to technology. And it is what distinguishes the sport from almost every, every other sport out there, and I think part of what makes it truly unique. You know, at, at one point in the year, there was social media was complaining about Formula One and the racing wasn't great. But about since the French Grand Prix, it's been fantastic racing, and uh, you know, and we're we're in the middle of a big technology push right now. So I think that that's not as big a concern. So, uh, it, it feels like it's great racing to me right now. Yeah, I think it's. Look, I think it could be better. I mean, I think realistically, um, we still have a situation, um, you know, where essentially there are three teams that are competing for podiums out of ten, and you, you know, I think in sports. It's important that the underdog has a chance to win. Um, and uh, so I agree with you. I think really since Austria on, which was the race after France, um, you know, we've had much better competition on the track and we've had some fascinating races, some really exciting races and uh, some races that really went right down to the wire, which is what you want. Um, but yeah, I still think we can make it, um, you know, there's room to really continue to improve it and make it even more exciting and even more dramatic for fans. And, um, and a big part of that is, again, you know, trying to, uh, you know, enable us to, you know, to, you know, to maintain that uh, ability to have cars that, you know, have something distinct, something unique, because um, this is, you know, it's a big team there. It's not, um, the drivers are the ultimate heroes, but um, certainly the team behind them um, is critical to it. Yeah, you're right. We don't want to know on Thursday or Friday who's going to win the race. You guys have, have uh, had a big push in Miami. We've had festivals in Chicago. We've had festival in LA this weekend. So obviously the United States is a key market for Formula One. Do we think we have a, a good shot at getting Miami done? And then, and what do we, the collective we, have to, to do to help grow the sport here in the United States? Well, I mean, we, are, we do believe the sport has enormous potential for growth um, here in the United States. Um, adding uh, an event, you know, we're very proud of this event here um, in Austin, um, you know, but I think adding another event um, in a destination location like Miami or Las Vegas, um, we think would, would add another dimension to it. Miami, we're deeply engaged in. We still got some issues to get through, but, um, you know, they're active and we're working on it. Um, yeah, I think as much as anything, um, you need to give fans the opportunity to engage and follow the sport and take advantage of all the ways you can do it. I mean, clearly the world today, you're an example of it, um, can connect and follow, you know, the sports, the teams, the heroes, you know, in ways they never could in the past. And when we came into Formula One a couple of years ago, Formula wasn't, wasn't really doing a lot of those things. And I think as we've given fans an opportunity you know, to follow the sport on media platforms and social media in other ways. We've actually found great take up in the U.S. as we've pursued initiatives like the show on Netflix, if we've pursued initiatives like our esports competition. I think all of those things enable fans to engage and follow, have a show on Sirius, I mean, a channel on Sirius. So those, all of these things, I think, give fans an ability to engage, follow, um, you know, to enjoy the sport and appreciate the sport. Um, and I think we need to continue to build on that, um, you know, build on teams in the U.S. Haas is a U.S.-based team. You know, we're proud to have Haas in the sport. 
I think we can continue to build on you know that and get broader participation. Look, we'd love to have a U.S. driver. I mean, in the in the in the past, um, used to have many U.S. drivers. I was talking to Mario Andretti in Milan earlier this year. Um, so in the past, we had some great you know U.S. drivers. So. It's a building process. We said early on, um, building the sport in the U.S. was an important priority, but it was one that would take time. It wasn't, a, you know, we're in, you know, starting, our, we're in the middle of our third year. This was not a two to three year process. This was building the sport in the U.S. is a five to ten year process. But we've really been excited about the reaction and response as we've given U.S. fans more opportunities to engage, whether it's at fan festivals, this event, attendance going to be way up, you know, this weekend digital media, other platforms, um, you know, have all, you know, further encouraged us about the appetite and interest and excitement about the sport here in the U.S. One thing that was was talked about quite a bit in team principal press conference just now was sustainability. Uh, is that Has that been part of the challenge with some of the cities and, and how much of that has is part of this 2021 rules? Um, I mean, I think the environmental issue has really um, become, you know, very much a front and center issue for us. And I wouldn't say it's an issue with the cities. I mean, I think, you know, I think it's become clear. And I mean, realistically, just in the last few years, all you have to do is watch a news channel, watch the media and see the degree to which in just general life, the environmental issue has become front and center. And I, you know, and I think it's, it's made it clear to us in these last couple of years that, you know, that this is you know, both, you know, something that's important to us and an opportunity for us. I mean, you know, and we haven't done it, we haven't put probably the focus on it we should. I mean, today we have the most efficient engine in the world. You know, we haven't done a good job, you know, telling that story. But, you know, more importantly, there's a lot we can do. And so we've made it a priority for us to have a plan short and long term to reduce and ultimately eliminate the environmental impact of our sport. Um, you know, we're working with an array of partners that we can do that in. Um, we think this is an important issue to everybody, and we can play a leadership role into it. I mean, our sport has always, you know, been at the forefront. In some ways, as the pinnacle of motorsports, we've been at the for forefront for technologies that have changed safety in cars, changed uh, technological capabilities in cars, um, and sort of, um, you know, various ways to design and, you know, and you know, manage the electronics in cars have come out of um, our sport. And I think we can play an important role, and we do believe um, the combustion engine, you know, with, you know, whether it's through fuels like synthetic fuels, ultimately hydrogen fuels, energy recapture and the like is a critical part of the solution to how do you create an environmental world that everybody wants. We fought that battle here in Austin, helped you guys fight it on the radio, and, and a lot of people still don't realize these are hybrid cars, and they don't realize how much of the energy is from hybrid. So I think, I think you're right. I think everyone has a big opportunity there. Uh, what about... I think when I think of Formula One going to other countries, that's one of the exciting things to watch. You go into these cultures and, and Japan and Mexico recent. Uh, but what do you guys, going into Vietnam, what do you see as advantages of going into Vietnam? Uh, more exposure, but uh, in any others that we're not thinking of? Well, first, we're truly unique um, in the sports world as a global sport. I mean, there are sports that are followed globally, but really other than, you know, the couple of, you know, events like the World Cup and the Olympics um, that are once every four years for a few weeks, um, we're the only sport that really competes around the world, competes with participants from around the world, um, nine months a year every year. Um, so it is, a, it is a uniquely distinguishing feature of our sport. Um, and I think we want to make sure we continue to build on that. Now, when you build on that, we sort of recognize, you know, that the regions we eat are not all the same. I mean, you know, Europe is our historic foundation. You know, I think we need to make sure we continue to build on that European foundation, aren't growing at the expense of it, but are growing in places like the Americas and Asia on top of it. Um, and, you know, we do think those growth opportunities are there for us. We're excited about the growth in markets like China that we're seeing now that we're engaged with it. Um, we think Asia is an enormous market. We think Vietnam, you know, really added a dimension. Um, I think now we feel with the spread of race of Japan, China, Singapore, and Vietnam, a great spread. Southeast Asia, huge growth area. Vietnam, you know, a, you know exciting country that I think, you know, realistically is increasingly captivating people's imaginations. So. We think it's a great, you know, a great addition to our portfolio races um, in Asia. But again, we want to make sure the foundation, so the other race that will be new in the calendar, not new, you know, in the history, but is Xander Fort, a race we 
um, that is in Holland, a race we you know was on the calendar decades ago. We're going back to um, great excitement for that race coming back. I mean, and they've got a three-year contract and have already sold it out for all three years. So, um, so while we want to go to new markets, we equally want to make sure we continue to add freshness and energy and excitement to our historic foundation. But we want, we value that global breadth. Um, we have places, you know, right now we're fortunate enough to have a lot of places that would like to have races we can't handle. I think every continent but uh, Antarctica and probably Australia because we already have one. Um, you know, we're engaged in, you know, with uh, cities and potential partners that want to have races. Um, our calendar won't accommodate that, but uh, we appreciate the interest and, you know, do look for opportunities. They'll be very, you know, they'll be few and far between, but where we can add something special like Vietnam, you know, to the calendar. Well, and, and finally, um, I, I do want to ask you, is as an American coming into this British and European sport, but I'm just curious about your experience in doing that. Um, it's been, it's probably added a unique twist to it. Um, you know, I am, you know, I guess as an American, I think you are, it's largely been a sport run by Europeans. I mean, running, the, that operate the sport probably makes me a bit of an outsider. Um, so I think there's some issues that come with it. I think there's some opportunities that come with it because um, it's a bit of a club too. And I think everybody knew I'm not coming from inside the club. So, you know, I'm not coming with biases or views that were built by being associated with, you know, this team, that team, this entity, that entity, these people, you know, I think um, gave you credibility as being one who comes at it really, which is what we come at it um, with the interest of doing what's right for the sport. And ultimately that means what's right for the fans um, and not based on some historical bias. So freshness of view, which is probably what you what one brings um, um, is, you know, has its virtues, but certainly, again, um, it does make you a bit of an outsider, which probably creates, you know, some hurdles um, as you try and navigate through it. I was listening in the team principal conference a while ago and just listening to everyone talking about the new rules, and everybody seemed to be happy with those rules, and it made me think that you guys are doing a good job, that you've not alienated people, and, and uh, and I worried about that at the beginning because I worried about the sport. But, well, I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank uh, all our fans. We've had callers from all over the United States. I think we're up to 27 states, people calling in, and they are so knowledgeable. They know this sport, and there's plenty of American fans out there. But I want to thank you for your time. Thank, thank you very much, and, you know, we appreciate all those fans because, I said, that's why you, you know, that's why you have a sport is, you know, for its fans, and I think the sport, the fans in this sport are fabulous. They are uniquely passionate, um, and we deeply appreciate them. Chase Carey, thank you very much. Really uh, good. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah, no, great. I mean, that's we don't get to hear from him that uh, often. He doesn't do that many interviews, does he? Yeah, and that's why I was. That's that's why I played. I know we played bits and pieces of this mm. interview. No, throughout well, we're the last, playing the whole thing. But yeah, he he was. Uh, he was really amenable to the interview. He was he was wanting to know how our show was going and everything. So That's it interesting. Cool. And also, I do think you know, as a European uh, or somebody, you know, I, I think the jury was out about liberty, and I still think yep. that the Europeans are cynical about Americans and the way they do things uh, in their sport, and they don't want Formula One to become an American sport. Um, I don't think that's the listening to Chase. You can tell that they realize the delicateness of the sport and the history of the sport and that they can't rewrite the rules and re you know change the, the sport change overnight. Much, yeah. But they are, more importantly, moving it forward. And, and sadly, although Bernie's uh, brilliant legacy will go on and on and on yeah. because of what he achieved, I think he reached the limit. I don't think he was innovating anymore. All right, well, let's go and take a break. When we come back, we'll get to hear your favorite interview of 2019. Listen to Speed City live from Austin. Back after these messages. Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky, the source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing, windingroadracing.com. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. 
Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Talk 1370, the right choice. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle belling and everyone. Hello to everyone, this is Gunther Steiner, this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Gunther Steiner bringing us back. Happy holidays, Gunther, and here's to a better 220. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, they weathered the storm, the, the Haas boys this year. It was an anus horribilis, as the <laughs> Queen once said. Yeah, that was pretty ugly. Well, hey, Jonathan, we got we, we got to get your interviews in because yep. you, you, why don't you set these up? Um, Well, there's no question for me the highlight of, 2009, uh, of 19, for me anyway, was the month of May for Simon Paginot, the Frenchman, um, who swept the board uh, quite literally. He didn't win the overall championship, but it didn't matter um, because he won uh, two historic races back-to-back. He won the uh, Indy G- GP. Uh, got pole position for the Indy 500, then won the darn thing. Uh, and, of course, we we had him on the show. Um, three weeks in a row. Because, three weeks in a row because of that. Uh, which which interview are you going to play? But uh, Because we got we're, a couple. We're gonna, well, we're going to play the one right after we won pole and then right after we won the race. Okay. Well, this is when he won pole. And, and check it out because there's also a, a really great, interesting French historical uh, footnote in yeah. this interview. All right, well, let's hear. Some. Now, listen, our, our boffins uh, and stats, and, and including your boffins at uh, Indy, who are brilliant, I may add. Uh, you're the first Frenchman since 1919. René Thomas got pole position in 1919. His average speed, 104.78 miles an hour, a track record at the time. This is your 12th pole position, I believe. But how does that make you feel? It's, a, it's been a while since a Frenchman's been up there. <laughs> Uh, I tell you what, I feel so proud for France. It's so great to be able to carry the flag so high. We've had so many uh, issues lately. Uh, you know, I, I think of Notre Dame and, and disaster that happened there with the fire of our uh, cathedral. Um, it, it's just great to be able to bring some smiles. Uh, I'm sure tomorrow morning there'll be a lot of good news in France about it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the Monaco Grand Prix is about to happen with Charles Leclerc. Uh, sure. Gas, but... Uh, Pierre Gasly is also a great French driver uh, and Roman Grosjean. So we've got plenty of talent. Yeah. Um, it's just great to be able to shine like this in America and at the biggest race in the world. I'm, I'm just so proud. So proud of my team. Honestly, I'm just very much at the end of the, the cycle, right? The whole team prepared these cars, and I just feel very honored to, to be part of it. Well, listen, i got another little bit of pressure to add to all of that because, <laughs> yes, 1919, Rene Thomas. But <laughs> in 1920... A Frenchman won the Indy 500 by the name of, guess what, Gaston Chevrolet. <laughs> I didn't know that fact. <laughs> I bet you did. So, I mean, wow, what a, what a you know. And it's the Chevrolet. Yeah, and it's, it's not it, just it's a coincidence. It's the right one, too, isn't it? So you do know it's all about cool. that. Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, obviously, there weren't too many, so it's, uh, it's easy to remember the history. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing to see uh, such a fact. And I feel honored uh, to be such an actor in such history. So um, we'll see what we can do. I mean, I, you know, there's still a lot to do, a lot of work ahead of us. Um, you can't get too carried away at this point because uh, we just checked one box. And um, we're going to stay uh, head on the shoulders and, and do the work. Well, Simon Paginot, Simon, so, we, yeah, thank we, you so much. We appreciate you coming on. We know you have a busy schedule. We'd love for you to be back on Speed City again because that means you won the race. So hopefully, we'll <laughs> we'll talk to you uh, after the next time we talk to you. Hopefully, it'll be uh, after a big Indy 500 win. We really appreciate you coming let's, on. Let's hope. Uh, let's hope I smell milk. 
<rire> That's right. <rire> All we can say is bon chance, mon ami. Merci beaucoup. Merci. Well, he predicted that he might <laughs> smell like milk, and he did. did. We're, this next interview is right after he won the Indy 500. Jonathan, you caught up with him, so let's hear that. Hey, Speed City fans, I'm delighted to welcome back on the show for the third week running, Simon Pagino, the Indy 500 winner. And by now, that's got to sound good. How was your month of May? Well, it's great to be back on the show. You must be that good at job. <laughs> yes, so. Thank you so much. Uh, I mean, it's been incredible three weeks. Just, um, just phenomenal job for my team, you know. And obviously, I take all the credit for all this, but uh, I couldn't do it without them. And um, you know, I'm, I'm just, I, you know, over the moon. It's it's just incredible to say that I just won the Indianapolis 500. Yeah, you know what? I've heard a lot of the interviews you've done over the last couple of days, and obviously uh, endless interviews. I'm sure for you, you're probably exhausted, but. You mentioned Carl Meyer, the strategist. We also talked about your data man, Malcolm. I mean, you know, those last few laps, and, and in fact, when that caution came out with about 30 laps to go, tell me who you were working with, what you were discussing, because I think now that the, the dust has settled a little bit, you've probably got more time to think what cognitively happened in that in that period of time. Where, where were you <clears throat> with 30 well, laps I, to go? <laughs> I haven't had time to review the race or anything. I've, I've been doing... Uh, you know, my duties of, uh, <laughs> you know, 500 champion when uh, you have to do a, uh, you know, obviously a whirlwind tour of uh, the medias um, and, and talk about the greater spectacle in racing. So, um, you know, we, we had a bit of a scare, I have to say. We, we were burning a lot of fuel running up front all, all afternoon. Uh, it came a point that we had no choice than uh, seizing, seeding the lead, the lead to uh, Joseph and, uh, and and try to stay fuel behind him, which we did. Uh, we saved a lot of fuel for 30 laps, and thankfully we got back on the strategy before the yield came out. And um, you know, no matter what, we would have been able to uh, to fight for the win in the end. But that yellow helped a little bit because we didn't have to save fuel. So um, yeah. that's uh, that's that's what racing is all about. That's what strategy is all about. And uh, couldn't have done it without my guys. So um, you know, Malcolm did a great job with fuel, and um, Kyle Moyer a very good job with coaching me through it. Can you give me any sense of what was going through your mind on that slowdown lap? This has been everything for you. You've won a title. You've won many races. You've been with Penske for a while. And it's just, I just wonder what must have been going silently through your head before the maelstrom starts as, as soon as you've hit pit lane. Well, I tell you what, it's the most incredible feeling because it's almost like, you know, when the, you hold the glass in your hand, it slips through your hand because it's slippery. And it falls on the ground and explodes. That's exactly, you know how it feels in your mind when that happens. That's exactly what it felt like on start finish. I was speechless. Yeah. I yeah. didn't know what to think. It was obviously happiness, uh, full of emotion. I went through so many up and downs in my career, um, you know, hard work, and uh, all of a sudden I started crying. Uh, and I couldn't couldn't talk on the radio. I I I just couldn't. And I didn't want to talk and cry because that I didn't want that message to be forced. Um, I was happy. Um, and and then I, I decided to celebrate with the fans by stopping on the yard. Simon, thank you so much for being part and, and, and giving us an insight over the last few weeks into your life. It's been very, very special for us. We, uh, we obviously cover all sorts of motorsport, but this has been uh, fantastic to have your insight each and every week um, as you've gone from success to success. The triple crown as Roger Penske uh, stated the pole position at Indy, the win at Indy, and of course the Indy Grand Prix win. Simon, what a month of May. What a May month. Continues. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Simon, and best of luck in Detroit. Bye-bye. Yeah, a week later, off to Detroit. Um, yeah. But uh, an amazing, uh, one that he will never forget. And what a gentleman, too. Oh, yeah, he I was. love that Chevrolet connection. Yeah, that, 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 so Gaston Chevrolet, who... Uh, who you referred to was the younger brother of Luis, of Luis, who founded Chevrolet, Chevrolet Car Cars. Company. That's, and he that's... was racing, of course, with a Chevrolet engine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We started the show with Chevrolet. Yeah. We finished the show. I like Chevrolet. that. All right. Well, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, we're going to be on next week, too. Yeah. Get, let, one more, one more in of 2019. Yeah. And... Get on social media and let's hear your best and worst of 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Tweet at us. Facebook at us, whatever you want to do, get us, shoot us an email, too. You can find all that on our website, speedcitybroadcast.com. 
And we want to wish everybody happy holidays, yeah. Merry Christmas. What Stay are you safe, everyone in Texas and around yep. the world. Uh, happy holidays. Yes. Happy Christmas. We'll talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.